This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Whole herd of them is gonna, are going to be going to uh, camp this week. So uh, I want you to pray for them. When you think about it this week, uh, lift up our kids. Because these are, um, they can be some really defining moments in uh, young people's lives. It can help to solidify some things that they maybe have questioned or wondered about. A lot of great and wonderful things can happen when these kids go to camp. And while I'm talking about that, thank you for all of you that have helped to uh, contribute and support the church, the local church, uh, so that we can um, uh, do what it is that we're doing. Amen. And get them to camp, get them back, all of those different kinds of things that goes along with this thing. We had somebody... Uh, within the church, give us a van. And uh, so we're excited about that. Nice 11-passenger van. We have two, one of which is, well, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it'll get them there and it'll get them back. We know that. But uh, <clears throat> it does have some age on it and things. And so, and, and the truth is, is that we, we need more than two in order to do the transport, uh, both with the kids and with the youth. And so uh, we're very grateful for their contribution to the, to the church, a very nice um, piece of equipment that will serve us well. And then that one, uh, the 2009, uh, it may end up finding a different home so we can uh, replace it with something that's, uh, well, just a little bit better condition. How many of you know things get old? Yeah, and sometimes they just, <laughs> we get old. Well, anyway, so, um, uh, you know, they just... Uh, it needs to be replaced, and so uh, uh, we'll care for that probably sometime this fall and get another one. So, again, thank you for that. I also want to thank you for praying uh, with us on Sunday night. Those of you that were able to uh, perhaps, uh, well, those that were here, of course, and maybe those that were, we didn't have an online thing. You may have done something at home, but we had a precious, a wonderful time in intercession for the nation and the church. And uh, interestingly enough, I found myself at least, I don't know how, what everybody else is doing, but praying for the nation of Israel. You know, their leadership has changed just as ours has, and uh, probably not for the better. And so they have their own set of challenges that they're dealing with. I'm so glad that we can look to the Spirit of God and the Holy Ghost and our Heavenly Father. Praise God to take care of us. Amen. And so anyway, we prayed uh, in a lot of different areas, but it was a wonderful time. We're going to do it again in August. Um, I'll give you the date as that kind of approaches, and uh, we invite you. We hope that you can join us as we uh, bear uh, this nation and uh, the work of the church. You know, Jesus, when he gave commission to his disciples, he said, I want you to go into all the world, and I want you to preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized will be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. And um, that's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that we, the church, are commissioned uh, to spread around the world. And we've been doing that for over 40 years, so there isn't any, any reason to stop now. Amen? And at the same time, you know, when Peter was writing, for example, he told the elders that had been the recipients of his, his letter, he said, to feed the flock of God over which, you know, God has given you the oversight, uh, taking the oversight thereof willingly. I'm glad I'm willing. Amen. You know, the Bible says the willing and the obedient will eat the good of the land. Hallelujah. 
But he said, do it willingly, not for the sake of money or anything like that, you know. And so uh, we have the privilege as pastors, uh, my wife and I and others on the staff, to feed and lead the flock of God. And what a privilege it is, and it comes with responsibility. So we're endeavoring, praise God, to do everything we can to help people grow in their faith and in their relationship with Jesus. Because I tell you what, at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is Him. You know, thank God for your portfolio, but I'm telling you what, you're not taking it with you. You know, so you might as well, you know, make sure that your priorities are where they need to be to honor the King. I said honor the King. Just as we were worshiping God and honoring Him this morning, praise God, because He's worthy. Amen? He deserves all of the praise, all the glory. He deserves everything that our lives represent because he's coming again, praise God. And I tell you, when he makes his entrance, <laughs> you can be sure everybody's going to know it. Hallelujah. So if everybody's, you know, if you got people over here screaming and yelling that saying they're the one or whatever, listen, when Jesus shows up, everyone will know. Hallelujah. And so it's going to be a great time. But he said to occupy till I come. He said to do kingdom business until I show up. Hallelujah. I remember that story about Peter and John, you know, what a, what a motley crew those 12 were. I mean, you would have never, I mean, if you were doing a, if you had, you know, if you were asking HR to find 12 guys that would help you out in the ministry, none of them would have qualified. They would have had definitions for these guys. Said, Dude, these guys are losers. You know, you don't want these people. But Jesus made them fishers of men. And so, of course, you know, there's all the friction and tension, you know, that goes along in relationships. How many of you have ever had friction and tensions in relationships? <laughs> of course, we all have. Are you a human being? Are you on the planet? And I had all this tension and stuff, and which one's the greatest and all this. And remember when Jesus was mandating what it is that he had called him to do, you know, um, I don't believe, I don't remember if it was Peter or John, but what, I think it was Peter because he's the impetuous one. He says, well, what about John? What's he going to do? What do you want him to do? And he said, what's that to you? I told you to feed my sheep. I'll take care of John. Hallelujah. So we just need to be about the Father's business. Amen? We need to be busy for the kingdom, advancing what it is that, that he's called us to. And, of course, you know, uh, just like anything, there can be all kinds of distractions and things we see in the world that are going on and so on and so forth. And uh, some of which are concerning. But you know what? At the end of the day, you know, all of the, I mean, none of this comes as a surprise to our Father. He knew all this was going to happen. He knew, you know, the corruption that would be in the world. He, he, he lined it out. Read the last book of the Bible and get happy. Are you listening to me? Because praise God, we win. Glory to God. So, you know, it's important for us to make sure that we um, have our, our thinking caps screwed on straight. How many of you got your thinking caps screwed on straight? If you don't, maybe by the end of the service, we can help. You know what I'm saying? My wife, she loves birds. And um, we feed, I would say, probably the greater part of Southwest Iowa <laughs> when it comes to the bird population. And uh, so she come across this she said, honey, I've seen this, this, uh, this new uh, thing that you can actually, um, you can screw it on the top of a, a 
uh, jam jar or jelly jar. You just screw it on the jar and you give them the whole jar. Well, I don't know what it is, Linda. It's just a, yeah, a big jar. And you know, I mean, we're, you know, we, we got, we got oranges and we got jelly and we got black wild sunflower seeds and we got thistle seed and Bill, we got it all. Okay. And her response to me is always, whatever it is that I do, it's a whole lot cheaper than what you do. <laughs> so at that point, I shut up. Amen. So if any of you are, you know, because she used to, she would every morning faithfully, I'm telling you, these birds got it good in the morning. You know, she'd, she would uh, take a big old scoop of jelly and put it on the, her hand, you know, and out she'd go, you know, to the deck. And she had this little thing that, you know, she serves them on. And she put that in there, you know, sure enough, here they come, man. I mean, you know, this is like smorgasbord stuff, baby. And uh, so now, I guess, if she buys that, she won't even have to do that. Just take the whole jar and give it to them. And just the other day, matter of fact, I think it was Thursday, we were having coffee in the morning, you know, and these birds are all coming, and we're this and that and the other. And she says, uh, <laughs> she says, you know, we sure are going through a lot of um, uh, sunflower seeds. I said, you think? <laughs> Look, I mean, dear God, I mean, you know, half, the, half of everybody showed up. If you're a bird watcher, call us. Come on over. We'll show you every species known to man. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. That's why she nicknamed me a cockatoo. You know, this bird's got them things. Well, in the morning when I wake up, I guess I have some similarity to that. She calls me my cockatoo. <laughs> It's crazy what happens in our house, but we sure love one another. We're, uh, we're just having a big time. Praise God. You know, how long have we been married? 40. How? 44? 44. Are you sure? You're not. Well, anyway, we've been married a long time. And uh, I tell you what, it's, uh, it has been wonderful, beautiful. And, um, and, I, and I give all the credit to Jesus and her. <laughs> Amen. You know, you can have heaven on earth if you want to. If you just put down your stinking rocks, uh-oh. Has the pastor changed gears? Well, maybe. But you know, the thing about it is people's problems are solvable. It's just a question about whether or not you're going to do what you have to do. Okay, enough about that. You bring your Bible with you? Let's open our Bibles. Let's talk about something else. Hallelujah. Second uh, Timothy chapter 1. Second Timothy chapter 1. Now, um, so as not to make you think that I'm uh, just being frivolous about the whole matters of marriage, I do understand that you know, things get complicated in our lives. Any of you, your lives, that marriage got, yeah? I, I get that. I understand that. But I will say this. The book has answers. And if everyone's willing to cooperate, everybody say cooperate. Yeah, then things can be fixed. There's no question about it. 
And thank God we've been willing to do that, and it's been like heaven on earth, and it can be that way for anyone. Amen? You just got to do what you got to do, you know? You say, say, yeah, but pastor, that's, easy, that's harder or not as easy as it seems, uh, might be. But you got to ask yourself what you want, you know? I want peace, huh? I want joy. I want love. And so I have to do those things, you know, that contribute to that uh, where my life is concerned. And sometimes, and you know, this is not a marriage uh, message that I'm sharing here today, but people have problems because they're selfish, okay? That's about it, you know? You know, you say, well, you're from the Midwest and you're just a simple whatever, whatever, and blah, 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 yep. Yep, yep, that's about right. Thank God, amen. You know, you might, you might uh, uh, tag me as an idiot out wandering around, that's what Iowa means, you know? It's the acronym for Iowa. Um, but I'm a happy idiot, hallelujah. Amen, so leave me alone. You get all these sophisticates, you know, and they're just all, you know, they think they know so much. And you know, yet the Bible, what's interesting about it, it says professing themselves to become wise, they become fools. They think they got it all figured out and this and that and the other, and they don't know straight up from Sikkim. Amen. Yeah. So thank God for Jesus. Amen. That was your appetizer. Now let's talk about something else. Would that be all right? I think, I, I think I'm done with that. It's good anyway. Amen. You don't have to be ashamed about anything. You're a child of God. Amen. You know, people are so, you know, it's, if it isn't about race, it's, you know, your pedigree or your whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, you know, in the book of Proverbs, the Bible tells me that God made the rich and the poor alike. Huh? So I would say, praise God, he probably uh, is the one who we have to answer to. Amen? Irregardless or irrespective of all these other things that we uh, find within the world. So... Amen. Be encouraged. Glory to God. Let's pray and we'll get into what I want to share with you today. Father, we love you <laughs> so much. So grateful for your living word, Father. And for these few moments we have together, I want to thank you, not only for utterance in the Holy Ghost, Father, but for hearts to believe, eyes to see, and ears to hear. I thank you, Lord God, that really it's not even important what I say as much as what you say to these people through and by uh, the Spirit of God in them. So I ask you, Father, speak to their hearts, minister to the needs that are represented. Father, draw them nearer to you. Let them become more and more mindful of your presence and in their lives. And Father God, that they would increasingly look to you for the directions and the decisions and the choices of their lives. Father, may you be the one who is the priority. And I just thank you, Father, that in so doing, that great grace and blessing will rest upon each and every one of them. In Jesus' name, amen. Notice with me, if you will, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. 
I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. And when I call to remembrance the unfeigned or genuine faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I want to talk to you this morning about having victory over fear. You know, when you became a child of God, really everything changed. Now, of course, there's things that you and I as human beings have to do in order to bring about that transformational change in terms of the way that we think. But when you became his, praise God, all fear left because you don't have to be afraid of anything when you're a child of the living God. Can you say amen? And so I want to talk to you about having victory over fear, overcoming it, you know, um, it, it's well known, I mean, if you're a believer, that there are many tactics that Satan has. Uh, when I say tactics, I'm talking about different kinds of schemes, or as the King James uses the word wiles of the devil, that he uses to enslave and destroy people's lives. But fear is a major weapon within his arsenal to render people helpless. You know, um, I made a couple trips over to Africa to help out in some ministry over there uh, back in the uh, late 80s and early 90s. And uh, on one occasion, we went out to a, uh, um, uh, a place where they, you know, keep animals and whatever. What, what do they call them? Reserve. You know, so, and one night we stayed on the reserve, and it was kind of interesting because they had this, it was a concrete, it was made out of concrete, and it was round like a, like a um, silo or, or maybe like a, a grain bin, only it was made out of concrete, had these open windows in it, no bars, no screens, no nothing, and then it had a thatched, real steep thatched, real heavy, probably that thick all the way up, you know, for the roof. And that's where we stayed. And they, you know, you go in there and it has just a few little amenities and a, uh, a bed to uh, uh, sleep on, so on and so forth. And uh, so we get ready for, for bed. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, here we are in the middle of this, you know, deal. And you can hear all kinds of animals that the boy from Southwest Iowa's never heard before. And in the middle of the night, I heard lions roaring. And I thought to myself, I don't know how close they are, but I hope they're not very close to me because the windows are open. Remember that? And what I've heard and understood is, and have you ever been close to a lion when it roars? Anybody? I mean the, the guttural sound that comes out of this animal is just unbelievable. It's, and it's so loud, you know? And, and you'll notice when Peter was writing, he didn't do this, you know, just, uh, you know, trying to come up with something. He must have had experience. He says, but your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Didn't say he could, he's just looking, 
Are you with me? Whom we are to resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in our brethren that are in the world. So he has these schemes, and the thing about a lion is, is this is what I've heard. I don't know this for a fact. What I've heard is, is because their, their, their roar is so loud that when they're in proximity of their prey and they roar the way they do, it literally paralyzes their victim just brings the animal to a standstill, doesn't know what to do. I mean, it's probably because this roar is so all-encompassing, they don't even know where he's at, and then all of a sudden, that's the end. And that's what the devil does to the believer. Well, he does it to everyone, for that matter. But that's especially true where the Christian is concerned, is it's because he has this paralyzing effect to bring people to a standstill. You think about today's cultural and uh, political environment and climate that's going on. I mean, people are almost being brought to a standstill not knowing what to think or do. But thank God, I said, thank God we know better and that we don't have to. And so when you think about this, you ask yourself the question, well, if in fact, you know, this is a tactic or a weapon that he uses, what is it that I can use against him? Now, most people would say a great big gun. Amen? Amen. You know, like a 450 or something like that. Big old, you know, wind mag of some nature, you know, that could uh, put them where they belong. But we are not uh, fighting with carnal methods, are we? So I'd like to suggest to you this morning that the great equalizer when it comes to combating fear is the truth. Everybody say truth. In other words, if you're filled with the truth and fear comes, then when you know the truth, Jesus said the truth will what? It'll set you free. It'll keep you free. It'll make you free. It's truth that sets people free. In the world in which we live today, there are all kinds of narratives that the media and different ones are preaching. You know, they're not, I mean, you say preaching? Yeah, preaching. They just pound it away, pound it away, pound it away. But I tell you what, praise God, you've got to know better than what it is that the media is telling you because it is not true. Are you with me? I remember one time, Lester Summerall, he's gone to be with the Lord, but he said that he, was, uh, he had the acquaintance of Smith Wigglesworth. And uh, Smith was, um, he lived in England, and uh, he was a rough guy. He didn't get saved till he was about 50, 60 years old, I think. But uh, he was referred to as the Apostle of Faith. And so when Lester went there uh, in England, he would go to his house and uh, they would talk about the scriptures and pray together and different things like that. Well, the first time he come, you know, he had one of those, what do they call him, bolo hats, you know, or whatever. Uh, <clears throat> of course, back in the day, that was the big deal and whatever. And so, you know, uh, Lester was all spiffed up, you know, in his outfit and this. And that's the thing about uh, Smith is he always looked like he'd just come out of a bandbox. I mean, he was well-dressed. And uh, so anyway, uh, Lester comes up the uh, sidewalk, you know, he's got this hat on, he's got his suit on, he's got a newspaper under his arm, you know, and he comes and maybe he had a bag, I don't know. But anyway, Smith opens up the door and he says, what's that underneath your arm? He says, well, it's a newspaper. He says, throw that thing away. That is not coming in my house. It's full of lies. That was a long time ago. So, so we've really ratcheted things up since then, you know. 
So he said, <laughs> Lester said, so I threw it in the bush right there, and when I got done, I picked it back up when I left and got home. But Smith didn't want it in his house because there's a lot of, uh, there's no truth in it. So the great equalizer when it comes to combating fear is the truth. Fear generally has itself hidden behind the cloak of lies. And in many cases, the things that people have, you know, a lot of times the things that people fear, they really have no substance at all. But Satan will use fear to incarcerate human beings and seek to ruin their lives. So everybody say it together. Thank God for the truth. Yeah, amen. I mean, you hear all kinds of reports about this and that and the other. I tell you what, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Thank God for the living Word of God. Thank God for the indwelling presence of God that has made us more than conquerors through Him. Didn't you love the set today? Hallelujah. I mean, I'm telling you that that set tells you who you are and what it is that God has done as sons of God, as victors in Christ. Amen. Now, you'll notice here when, when Paul was writing to Timothy, uh, Timothy was a discouraged servant. He was uh, Paul's protege. Uh, Paul had mentored him. Uh, he had left him at Ephesus to pastor the church there. And he had a lot of adversities and adv- adversaries and things of that nature. And he was discouraged. And so, you know, Paul in his wonderful way, he said, you know, I just, you know, I have remembrance of you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of your tears. Well, those tears probably was when Paul departed and Timothy was going to have to go it alone. How many of you know, praise God, it's great to have people of like precious faith alongside you in life that can believe God that you're not alone. And he said, I'm mindful of those tears, greatly desiring to see thee. But then he says, when I call to remembrance the genuine, authentic faith that existed in your grandmother Lois, your mother Eunice, and he, notice he says this, and I am persuaded that it's in you as well. See, his, his faith was being shaken. And that's what fear does. It attempts to shake people's faith. He said, but I know there is a genuine, authentic faith that is in you. And I'm telling all of this to you to remind you to stir up. Everybody say, stir up. Stir up the gift of God that is in you, that was given to you by the putting on of my hands. Evidently, Paul had prayed for Timothy to be filled with the Holy Ghost. So he's, he's bringing him back to these realities or these truths. He's talking about this genuine kind of faith that he has that came from the Word of God. And not only that, but the stirring up of the Spirit of God that indwelled him. And then he goes on then to explain. He says, for God has not given us the spirit of fear. You don't have the spirit of fear. But you do have, thank you, Lord, the spirit of God that is the characteristics of which are power. Everybody say power. And love. And a sound mind. Now, you have to let those things dominate you, you know, those attributes, those characteristics, you know. In other words, you don't have to be ashamed of anything as a child of the living God, as a Christian within culture or society today. 
Because you have the greater one on the inside of you. And not only that, but praise God, the love of God has been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost so you can love even though the world is unlovely. Amen. And not only that, but he says, praise God, that God has given you a sound mind. Everybody say, my mind is sound. Now, there might be a little rattling going on in there, but don't, don't let that discourage you. Just keep telling yourself what he said. My mind is sound. Glory to God. And you know, the thing about it is, is an unsound mind is just because it's been meditating and thinking about the wrong things. Huh? Praise God. So he says this, that God's not given us a spirit of fear. Now, when Paul was writing in Romans chapter 8, um, notice this, if you would, with me, Romans 8 and 15. I think they'll put it up here on the screen. But it says, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Let's read that again. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Fear has bondage. Fear incarcerates people. Fear enslaves people. But Paul is writing, and he's saying that when you got born again, all of that changed. God has not given you, or you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, hallelujah, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself, actually himself, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ. If so be that suffering with him will also be glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not even worthy to be compared with the glory that's going to be revealed in us. Boy, you've got something to look forward to. I said, you've got something to look forward to. Are you listening to me? The New uh, Living Translation says it this way. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Don't you like that? You've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. So now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are the children of God. So my point to you is that even though you weren't aware of it, when you gave your heart to Christ, so many things changed to where you no longer had a spirit of fear. I don't know what it was like for you. Before I knew Jesus, I lived in fear. Now, people don't want to admit it, but I tell you what, they're afraid because they don't have the Spirit of God in them. When I got saved, I had a peace that passed all understanding. How many can attest to that? Yeah, absolutely. And so when that, that encounter or that experience took place, my life was changed. Your life was changed. And we no longer had to be dominated by the fear of this world. Now, even though God has recreated our spirit and made us new creations in Him, you still have to do something with your noggin. Am I in the right house? Your mind has to be renewed to the truths of God's Word 
In other words, there is a discovery process that has to take place in the life of every child of God to learn and to come to know by revelation knowledge that comes by the Spirit of God that not only has God not given you the spirit of fear, but praise God, He's given you something called love, power, and a sound mind. Hallelujah. And we we lay hold of that. We lay claim to that. And we work through the things that that we need to in order to enjoy God's peace within our lives. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Now, that requires something of us. But I'll tell you what, praise God. He said, seek and you'll find. Blessed are they that are hungry and thirsting after righteousness because they'll get filled. Hallelujah. When's the last time you've been thirsty? Come on. Because I tell you. God said he'd fill you. Glory to God. So Christians need to realize that when they're born again, how many born again folk have we got here today? When you get born again, it changes everything because you're born of his spirit. You're now (laughs) the sons of God. And the thing, listen, the thing that releases you from fear is sonship. You say, what do you mean by that? When you know that you're his child, you don't have to be afraid of nothing. Kenneth Copeland tells a story as a kid growing up that his dad, they were in a pool hall someplace. And you know, Kenneth is a little guy, you know, and he's just curious. How many of you know kids are curious? And these guys are playing pool. And, uh, and so Kenneth's watching them, and he, and he sees this one ball, you know, and maybe it's the color he likes or whatever. Boy, he wants to grab that ball. I sure would like to have that ball. You know, so he gets up there and he gets closer to the pool table, you know, and, and uh, <clears throat> he reaches up and he's going to grab this ball. And one of the guys that was playing ball uh, balled him out. Said, hey, get away! You know, and man just spooked the living daylights out of him, you know. He said, I was standing there, man, and I was just afraid, you know, because this guy had spoken so harshly to him. He says, all of a sudden, I felt this hand on my shoulder. Whoop. He said, and then I realized that I was being pulled backwards behind somebody. He said it was my dad. He said, by God, you got something to say to that kid you said to me. Well, Kenneth's behind him, you know, after that. And he goes, yeah, come on, bring it, you know. Why? Because dad was there. Well, the thing that releases you from fear in your life or even the temptation to be afraid, is your sonship, your being a child of the living God. But you got to know that. Are you listening to me? Know it as a reality within your life. I'm his child. We just got done singing it. Huh? When the sun sets free, I'm his child. You know, all of that. Praise God. So that when fear comes, glory to God, we're answering the door with something more than just us. But the fact that we are the children of God. Jesus made these statements to us before his uh, leaving uh, to heaven until he comes back. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace do I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Listen to this. Do not let your heart be what? Neither let it be afraid. Who does that? We do. He said, I'm leaving you my peace. He said, don't let your heart be troubled and don't let it be afraid. Are you with me? So when fear comes, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not trying to suggest to you this morning you're not going to have to deal with fear. You're not going to be tempted to be afraid. I'm just saying, praise God, pass it up. 
Why? Because of what you know. Amen. Sometimes trouble will come knocking on the door. Sometimes it comes over the phone. Sometimes it comes in the mail. Sometimes whatever, you know. But I'm telling you what, whatever, in whatever form it shows up, thank God you're not in it alone. Are you with me? And that's the important thing for us to realize. Another place he said, These things have I spoken unto you that in me you may have peace. These things I have spoken unto you. These things have I spoken unto you. Now listen, if you don't believe those things that he's spoken to you, then, well, my message isn't going to do you a whole lot of good. You have to believe in what it is that he has said to you. And he said, I've left you my peace. Everybody say, I have his peace. You've got his peace, huh? Not, not the peace that the world, the world's peace, as long as everything's going all right and the bank account's fine, whatever, then we're okay. No, he said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. So when it comes, you just have to say, I'm not sure how we're going to handle this, but thank God I'm, I'm really glad I'm not in it by myself. I can't tell you how many times in pastoral ministry I've had to pray that prayer. Hallelujah. And the same thing's true just in the natural, you know, in our natural lives. These are things that we have to understand. And so many times because of what we don't know or because of the lack of knowledge, we allow fear to enter in and thereby we're defeated by it. But thank God we're, 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 we're gaining. How many of you are gaining? Where you don't have to be afraid. You know, a lot of times we get to dwell on stuff. My God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? You know, we're short, we're this, we're that, we're whatever. Well, he said, I'm, I've left you my peace. So don't let your heart be troubled and don't let it be afraid. Yeah, but I need an answer. I need an answer. Well, that's, that's a characteristic of the natural man and our natural, you know, our, our, our human nature, if you want to call it that. But praise God, he told us to do something about it. And that is to look to him, trust him, and let his peace be the thing that serves as an umpire within our lives. Are you listening to me? Everybody say, I can do that. Yeah, you can do that. The devil's a liar, isn't he? Most of the stuff that we deal with in life where fear is concerned, you know, it's just got torment. A lot of times it has no substance to it. But here's the thing. The Bible says to guard your heart with all diligence. That means, buddy, you got to get after it. Are you with me? It can't be just some come see, come saw, you know, whatever. whatever. No, he said guard or keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. Amen. If people are, are cavalier about their spiritual lives, if they're just, you know, whatever, it's, you know, it's part of what I do, I go to church, whatever, I, you know, um, there's not much success in that. Are you listening to me? You know? Hallelujah. And it's the truth, the knowledge of God, that, that will fortify our hearts and our minds against the devil's tactics. Let's, let's look at that verse. Go over to Proverbs chapter 4 real quick with me. I want you to read the, the entirety of this. Now, you know, Solomon was the smartest guy that ever was. Remember that? How many of you remember that? Yeah, he was the smartest man that ever lived. Huh? God said he'd give him wisdom 
beyond any man before him or after him. So in his writing in the book of Proverbs, notice verse 20, it says, my son, this is chapter four, did I say four? Yeah. My son, uh, how many sons in a generic sense do we have here? He's going to talk to you right now. You say, I sure wish God would talk to me. Okay, here we go. Ready? He said, my son, attend to my words. In other words, give your attention to what it is that I tell you. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. But keep or guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. The issues of life. One translation says, um, it is a wellspring of life. Or another thing says that it affects everything that you do. Amen. So the word's pretty important, wouldn't you say? Amen. To know it, you know, to seek the truth and to find out what it is that God has to say where our lives are concerned. I talked to you about the fact that we're born of his spirit, but how many of you know you got to know you're redeemed? Huh? Christ has redeemed us. You say, what? What from? Well, read the Bible. From the curse of the law being made a curse for us, hallelujah, so that the blessing of Abraham can get all over you. Hallelujah. But, you know, if you don't know that you're redeemed from the curse and you don't know what the curse is, you know, then, then you're, 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 you are at a disadvantage. That's why the truth is what sets you free. Praise God. You know, when you re- read in Deuteronomy and it talks about the blessing and the curse, you find out how your life will be being blessed and you find out how your life will be being cursed. But the Bible says that Jesus, everybody say Jesus. Yeah, Jesus redeemed you from the curse. So go back there and read what it looks like, you know. And you'll find out, praise God, that you've been redeemed from poverty, sickness, and spiritual death in kind of a comprehensive kind of view of things. But if you don't know that, Then whatever comes your way, people say, well, you know, I guess this is just some way that, you know, God's trying to teach me something. You know, after all, God's sovereign, you know, and he can do what he wants to do. I'm telling you what, dude, you talk about a doctrine of the devil. You talk about something that defeats people in lives. That right there is exactly what happens. You say, yeah, but we don't know this. We don't know. You know, God has given us a book, you guys. Listen to me. He said, do not be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Yeah, you got to dig. Yes, you have to study to show yourself approved. You know, I mean, it isn't just the preacher. Thank God for whatever a catalyst that he can provide. But I mean, at the end of the day, man, you, you need to know for yourself. Because I ain't going to be there. You know, in the middle of the night when your kids are burning up with fever or you got some situation going on, you know. But praise God, you're there, and he's there. Huh? So if you're armed and fortified with the truth, you can say, devil, take your hands off my kids. Take your hands off my situation. You're in violation of my covenant rights as a child of the living God. Are you with me? 
See, the thing is, is you know, the, um, we're not struggling with flesh and blood. If, if, you, if you try to live your life in a nat, in, all in the natural, you're, you're just going to miss it. Are you with me? There are spiritual forces that are against, they assail themselves against you. They use lies to try to trap you or entrap you and to enslave you. You'll never be this. You'll never make that. You'll never, you'll never, you'll never. What is that for? It's intended to give you or cause you to quit and to give up and to stop living or doing life as God would have you to do it. But if you're not privy to it, if you, if you don't listen to what's going on, then, you know, you start to entertain. You know, the devil came to Eve and says, has God really said, you know, I mean, think about it. Has God said that you're not to eat of the trees of the garden? She says, no, we can eat of the trees. She's okay so far. But that one right there belongs to him. And we're not to touch it or deal anything with it. <clears throat> and then he flat out lies to her. He says, you won't die. God knows that if you partake of that, then you'll be like him. They already were like him. They already were. But notice the way it gets started. Has God really said, if you're the son of God, he's questioning his sonship, questioning who Jesus, you know, knew himself to be, if you're really the son of God. And that happens with you. You know, if you're a child of God, then how come this is going on and you got that circumstance and the preacher said that, but that sure ain't your experience and that's not what happening. Well, thank God we walk by faith and not by the things that we see. Huh? And just because we have a circumstance that may be going on in our life, that doesn't make it true. And thank God it's temporal because it's subject to change. But it's the truth of God's Word that turns that situation around. Woo! Glory to God! I have now just preached myself happy. Amen. Everybody say it together, the devil's a liar. But see, it's, it's knowing that I'm redeemed, glory to God. And the only way that knowing can become a reality in your life is if you're exposing yourself to the New Testament and allowing God's living word to wash away and renew your way of thinking. You have to know, you know, that you're redeemed in spite of sometimes overwhelming circumstances that, that, that to the contrary, when I first got saved and I started discovering the truth in my life, I had a lot of junk going on. And everything in my life said, the Bible is not true. This, is not, this does not work. But you know, the more I read the Word of God, the more the Word of God got on the inside of me, and the more it became a reality that I don't have to live enslaved to drugs or alcohol or any substance abuse or anything like that. The devil, you know, he'll take those things and he will incarcerate people with them. And if he can, he'll kill them with it. You'll never be set free. You'll always be. No, no, and no. Because whom the Son sets free is free indeed of anything. Well, Pastor, you don't know my circumstance. I may not, 
But there's nothing new under the sun. There's no temptation that's come to you that isn't common to men. Huh? A lot of times the devil will say, listen, 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 nobody's got it as bad as you. I mean, if people really knew, they would, you know, whatever, whatever. Always the victim. Victim ideology is from hell. You're not a victim. You're a victor. Are you listening to me? And if you buy into it, he'll come up, he'll snuggle up next to you, put, you, put his arm around you, tell you how bad you got it, pet you a little bit, you know, and all of these things. And then he'll say, they are the ones that are causing you the problem. You wouldn't have this problem if it wasn't for them. Huh? And he, so he drives wedges down into relationships and races and all kinds of things. Stuff's from hell. But most people don't have a clue that hell is the one that's preaching it. Because he has his advocates, and they're up there on their podium, and they're telling the world how, quote-unquote, it is, but it's a lie. Back during World War II, Hitler said that all the Jews were the problem. And that they were a greater race. You know, and what we need to do is we need to get rid of all of them. Annihilate them. And then everything will be better. Six million people he killed with the same ideology that you're hearing right now. It's, listen, it's the same spirit it's just different races. But most people, they don't know that. They don't think about that, and they don't believe it. You need to know, praise God, you're redeemed. You need to know you're forgiven. You need to know, praise God, that the Lord is on your side. You need to know that you're more than a conqueror through Him that loved you. You win! You need to know that you are capable. Well, I can't do this. I can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. It's a lie. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You need to know that no matter what it is that you have to face, thank God you don't have to be afraid. Sometimes you'll go to the doctor and all of a sudden you get an evil report, a bad report. And I guarantee you that fear shows up in that moment. Well, what you need to do is be fortified and armed with what the promises of God are. And say, thank you, Lord, that whatever this is cannot stay. Because you said that with long life will you satisfy me and show me your salvation. I'm believing you for long life. Amen. How many of you glad you came today? So, you know, and like I said, it's not to say that you're not going to get tempted. Dear God, you know, there's all kinds of stuff that comes our way. You just have to pass it up. You'll be tempted to be afraid, but don't be. Why? Because Jesus told you not to. Don't take my word for it. Take his. Don't be troubled, neither let your heart be what? Afraid. If your mind is going tilt, thank God you still got the Holy Ghost. 
Amen? To quiet things down. Glory to God. So, so here's the thing, you guys. I mean, you say, well, what's, what's the moral of this story this morning? <laughs> Glad you asked. Amen? As a child of God, you have got to remember. Think about that. What did Paul do to Timothy when he was in trouble? He put him in remembrance, didn't he? When I call to remembrance your faith, you're being filled with the Holy Ghost, all these things. You have to remember that you are not without aid or support when fear strikes because he's with you. Amen? Jesus, everybody hit the road on him at his most needed time for support. And he said, yet I'm not alone. But everybody from a human standpoint took off on him. Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 6 real quick, would you? Actually, don't even turn unless you have uh, an English Standard Version, okay? Because we'll put it up on the screen for you so you can read it. I want to tell you this story here so that, uh, um, or show you this story so that it, it'll go along with what we're talking about here. So this is 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 8. Do we have it up there? Yes. So once... When the king of Syria was warring against the nation of Israel, he took counsel with his servants, saying, At such and such a place shall, my, uh, shall be my camp. But the man of God, this is Elisha the prophet, but the man of God sent word to the king of Israel, and he says, I want you to beware that you pass not by this place, for the Syrians are going down there waiting for you. And so the king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God told him. Thus he used, uh, he, he used to warn him so that he saved the king of Israel himself there more than once or twice. So this is happening with some regularity. The prophet is telling the king of Israel saying, don't go there, they're waiting on you. And he's doing it. He's done it a couple different times. So it goes on then. It says, in the mind of the king of Syria was greatly troubled because of the thing. And he called his servants and he said to them, listen, who's a cat in our, who's the mole? You know, it says here, it says, will you not show me who of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants says, well, no one, my Lord, no one, O king. But Elisha, the prophet who's in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. That's kind of spooky. So the king said, well, go and see where he is that I may send and seize him. That is so dumb. Huh? I mean, that's got dumb written all over it. Now he's trying to solve his problem, but come on. So anyway, they say he's in Dothan. And so he sent there um, horses and chariots and a great army. And they came by night and they surrounded the city. So then the servant of Elisha, or the man of God, rose early in the morning, went out. And behold, an army with horses and chariots were all around the city. And the servant said, Alas, my master, what are we going to do? Now, would you say that a, a statement of that nature would be a person that was composed of peace? Huh? Then what are we going to do? You've done that. I've done that. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? How should we do? How should we do? Now, notice, let's go on and see what it says. Verse 16 Elisha said, what's, what's those next four words? What? 
Well, let me ask you a question. Don't we have a threat here? Huh? I mean, they're surra- they've surrounded the city with horsemen and chariots. And thereafter, Elisha, and yet Elisha tells his servant to do what? Don't be afraid. Did he have an opportunity to be afraid? Was there a temptation that he could be afraid? Absolutely. It was everywhere in the natural as far as Elijah was concerned, but he said to him, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those that are with them. Now, if you were the servant of Elijah, you would have probably looked around and said, Okay, there's 5,000 there, and, five, and then there's 10. Looks like about 40,000 men have come after us. One, two. (laughs) I'd say the odds are not good. But yet Elisha said, there are more that be with us than there are with those that be with them. Listen, my friend, this morning, whether you realize it or not, there's more that be with you than those that are in this world and the devil that is around you. We, we live from a position of victory that Jesus has provided. Are you with me? So notice it goes on then to say that in 17, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire around about Elisha. And then Elisha prayed again, and he asked the Lord to strike him with blindness. So when they came in, they didn't even know who he was. He goes, no, I'm not him. And he says, you're in the wrong city. Follow me. I'll show you where he's at. So they haul him down into the middle of Israel. And then... God opens up their eyes and they realize they're in the camp of their own enemy. Isn't that just like God? I mean, that's, that's hilarious. You know, so the king of Israel says, hey, shall we fall upon them? Shall we take all of their lives? He says, no. Nah. He says, feed them and send them back home. So they had a great feast. The Bible says they made a great feast for their enemies and sent them back. And they never had another problem with them. You know, the Syrian king finally got smart, I guess. Leave the guy alone and leave them alone. When God, if God be for you, who can be against you? Huh? But, but in this case, the thing I want you to see is that there wasn't just a natural force of strength, but there was a spiritual force of strength. And the same goes for you, dear friend, child of God. Are you listening to me? So you have every right to believe exactly what it is that God has said. Hallelujah. So the spiritual realm, beyond what you can see with your physical senses, is actively, did you, did you hear that? It's actively engaged within the affairs of your life. Did you know that the angels of heaven have been given charge over you to keep you in all your ways? Huh? You know, there's another place where <clears throat> the disciples were having a problem You know, they're arguing with one another about the greatness of one another. So Jesus takes his little child and puts him in the middle, and he begins in this teachable moment to tell them about greatness in the kingdom of heaven. And and something important in the narrative of this is that 
he, he, he says about the child, he says, Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. Listen, for I say to you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. Hallelujah. Did you know you got an angel? Maybe you got two. I don't know. Some of you probably need to. Hallelujah. But there are angels that have been given charge. Turn to Psalm 91. Come on, real quickly, because I'm running out of time. You guys are slowing me up. Psalm 91. I'm talking about the fact that there is a spiritual realm that exists that has been sent to aid and to help and to support you if you will stay in this place called faith. If you allow fear to overwhelm you, then all of a sudden, praise God, you're not in a place where aid can be provided. Doesn't mean that God doesn't want to. You know, when they were in that storm together and they woke Jesus up, when he rebuked the storm and everything ceased and whatever, he asked them a simple question. Why are you so afraid? Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? My mother-in-law used to send her daughters to the windows to watch for the storm. So when we got married, I said, we ain't watching in no window for no storm because nothing is coming nigh our dwelling. So go do what it is that you do and get happy. (laughs) Took a little while for her to start doing that. But I tell you what, she got a hold of it. Why? Because it had been embedded in her thinking that when, a, when, when the television comes on and they got these little red clouds, you know, or yellow or whatever color they are, then we ought to, we got to stand our watch. Huh? I'm telling you, that stuff is not coming nigh you, child of God. You say, well, you can't say that because all kinds of people have had their houses torn up and blah, 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 blah. Well, you get what you believe for. Huh? I'm telling you that no evil shall come nigh my dwelling. I tell you, if the angels got to get, do whatever it is they do, then praise God, they'll do it. You say, how can you be so bold? Because I believe the word of God. You know, when when they're forecasting these storms, my wife and I, if she doesn't say it first, it's kind of a race to see which one's going to say it first. It'll not come nigh us. It'll not come nigh us. It will not come nigh us. Amen. Storms are from hell. Now, I know, you know, from a technical standpoint, storms are what calm the atmosphere down. But they're going to have to do it somewhere else. You can do your calming out in a weed someplace. You know what I'm saying? Say, can you really say that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Why did Jesus, why are you afraid How is it that you have no what? Faith. I believe it. Praise God. Not to mention the fact when that stuff, if it comes and attempts to come to my house, then I got to pick up sticks. And it's a bummer. You know, when you got to pick up sticks for God only knows how long before you can mow, that is a bummer. Am I in the right house? Well, anyway, so, so much for all of that. Did you find Psalm 91? Listen to this. Oh, I tell you what, praise God, you need to wear this psalm out. 
Read it and 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 read it. It is powerful. Notice what it says right here, Psalm 91. He, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Well, if I'm abiding under the shadow of Almighty, what do I got to be afraid of? Huh? He that abides, or I'm sorry, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Listen to this. I will say of the Lord. What do you say? Oh, God, help! What, 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 how do you say? You say, well, you just can't do that. Why not? This psalmist said, I'm going to say of the Lord. Listen to what he says. He says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I will what? Trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers and under your wings you will trust. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flies by day, nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness. Dude, there's some serious pestilence right now, walking in the darkness. Huh? Nor for the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand shall fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand. Listen, 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 listen! But it shall not come near you. Well, how do you account for this, that, or the other? I don't. That's above my pace grade. I'm just, I just know what he said. Huh? Notice what it goes on to say. I tell you what, this stuff is good. Hallelujah. Notice it says, um, uh, verse 8, Only with your eyes shall you behold and see the reward of the who? Wicked. Well, how dare you say that they're wicked? I didn't say they're wicked. He said they're wicked. You figure it out. Huh? You got these. Well, no, I don't even go there. Keep going. Keep going, Michael. Keep going. Notice what it says here <laughs> in verse 9. Because you've made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, your habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh your dwelling. I like that. Yes, for he shall give his angels. 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 He will give his angels charge over you. Glory to God to keep you in all your ways. They'll bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash your foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion, the adder, the young lion, and the dragon shall you trample under your feet. Because a person sets his love upon God... Hallelujah. Another translation says, because he holds fast to me in love. Isn't that good? Because he holds fast to me in love, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he's known my name. He shall call upon me. I will answer him and I will be with him in trouble. I'm telling you, wasn't God with Elisha in trouble? Didn't he call upon him and he showed up? Sure enough. 
He said, and, and so it says here, I will call, he shall call upon me, I'll answer him, I'll be with him in trouble, I will deliver him and honor him, and with long life will I uh, show him or satisfy him, and I will show him my salvation. Man. You know, the Bible says that he will guide you with his counsel and then afterwards receive you into glory. So you and I, we, we, get the, we get the privilege of walking in the light of the Word, and then when our days on earth are fulfilled, we go home. This is awesome. And this is a win-win deal. And it's all because that you're a child of God. And there are other things that we could talk about, but I tell you what, praise God, you don't have to fear. Don't be afraid. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. You know, God's got an answer. You know, he said, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally, all men liberally, all men with abundance, and it shall be given unto them. Only let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think or imagine that he'll receive anything from the Lord. So you got to ask in faith. And the way that faith comes is by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So you can rejoice, praise God, when you hear God's Word, because what it's doing is it's fortifying your, most, your innermost being to be able to call on the name of the Lord. And as He said, He'll answer you and show you great and mighty things that you know not. You say, well, how's he going to do that? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Hallelujah. He may speak to you. I mean, he, you know, there may be an intuition or an intuitive knowing that you have. It may be, I don't know, but God will show you what you need to know so that you don't have to be afraid. Y'all glad you came this morning? I tell you what, praise God. God has not given us the spirit of fear. Say that with me. God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. That's, everybody stand up, please. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> amen, 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 amen. So, let's pray together. Maybe there's something in your life that seems to be occupying your thought life. Well, we're going to take care of that right now, you know, as it, as it uh, represents fear. And we're going to take care of it. You say, that's all we have to do? Yeah, we can just pray here. We can take authority over it in Jesus' name. You can. You can. You know, sometimes people can help you. You know, you can get some help from the aid of others and thank God for that. But, but God wants us to grow up so that we can take our place as children of God and deal with these things ourselves. Can you say amen? Yeah, so I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. Say this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today and I am so glad that you have not given me the spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. I receive that, Father, and I take authority over fear in my life in every aspect in the name of Jesus, and I command it to cease and desist. And Father, I thank you for setting me free that I no longer have to be afraid. Thank you, Lord, for your peace in my life. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing. 
Father, I pray for those within the sound of my voice, those here, and also, Father, watching by internet. And God, I ask you, Father, to minister to their hearts about the place that you have put them in, in in your secret place. That, Father God, that it's under your wings that we trust, and that you are our refuge. You are an ever-present help in the time of trouble. And that, Father, for the questions, hallelujah. Hmm, so many questions. Thank you, Father. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Let's just wait a moment here. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. While your heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You have to realize, child of God, that the devil will use tactics against you to bring confusion. I I hear the word confusion, confusion, confusion. Well, what about this? What about that? What about the other? And it's just like you're chasing your tail. I'm telling you, God wants to set you free of that. You know, it's, it's the human reasoning of our minds that can be so exhausting and debilitating. And God wants to help you. He wants to set you free of that confusion. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says that God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Thank you, Jesus. So now, again, while your heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking around. But if you're here, and just when it comes to life, I, I don't know how to describe it. It's just... Confusion is the, the, the word that I got. If that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand where you're at. I'm not calling you out or bringing you down here or anything. One, two, three. Anybody else? Confusion? Four? Yeah, five, six. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Praise God. Ha ha. Sepekalistan Malachi. Bless you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Who else? Seems like maybe there might be somebody else that we might be missing. Yeah, thank you. Bless you. Thank you. Bless you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Confusion is not of Him. He's given you a spirit of power love and a sound mind so we'll take authority over this now now well let's take care of that and then i'll instruct you otherwise church together let's pray for these that raise their hands say this with me dear heavenly father i thank you that you have not given me a spirit of confusion nor are you the author of confusion but rather of peace and I thank you Lord that I can come to you and receive what is mine so I thank you 
for your peace in my heart about these matters in Jesus' name. Confusion, I come against you in the name of Jesus and I command you to cease and desist in the name of Jesus. And Father, I thank you for setting me free. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Now you can all look up here at me if you would, please. Those of you that are dealing with, sometimes, you know, some folk, um, they're pretty analytical, not pretty. They're over-the-top analytical. And they, they, they try to figure everything out. Now, maybe you're not that person. Maybe you are. I call it paralysis by analysis. I mean, they're, they're, they're just like, they're, they're, they're thinking it over so many ways that they never do anything. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of, and I'm not that way, so it drives me nuts. I mean, just do something, will you? Well, you know, everybody has their own disposition, so you, you can't help that part. But here's the thing. You know, what about this? What about that? What about the other? Whatever. You got to stop that. You know, because it's just like, a, a you know, chasing your tail. Okay? And then you have to begin to say, see, just put it back in your father's hands. Say, Father, I just want to thank you for working this deal out. I, ain't quite, I haven't got it figured out, obviously. But I want to thank you for your wisdom. Look to him. You know, confess and believe and pray for what it is that he has provided for you. Amen. Instead of focusing on all of the issues or the problems that you face. You with me? And you'll be blessed. Praise God. How many are saved here today? Can I see your hands? Anyone here, you're not born of the Spirit of God? I don't. It looked to me like we're pretty much amongst our own here. Hallelujah. Amen. So I don't know about you, but I'm glad I came. And thank God we don't have to be afraid. Next time fear shows up, just laugh at it. Praise God. Say, you can't stay here, man. Glory to God. And if that doesn't work, just start praising God. For sure it will leave then. Fear doesn't want you worshiping God. Amen. You say, this is nonsense. Well, listen, you can believe what you want. I believe the Bible. The Bible says praise stills the enemy and the avenger. And if fear is your enemy, and it is, then thank God there's a way that you can combat it by doing what the Bible has to say. Hallelujah. You know, if you got to quote scripture to him, just say, hey, are you aware that the Lord is on my side that I will not fear? Hallelujah. What can man do to me? Amen. These are the things that we use in our arsenal, praise God, to guard our heart with all diligence. Amen? Keep yourself in peace. Now, here's another thing. Be careful about who you hang out with. You know, if you got people that are just, you know, critical and afraid and whatever, dude, if you can't change them, I mean, I shouldn't say it that way. If you can't convince them to think otherwise, maybe there are other people you you don't abandon them you know what I'm saying but you hang out with them and pretty soon that stuff will get on you you with me so find somebody that's cheery you may be seated bless you praise God we're going to receive our morning offering